Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Peter. And I'm very difficult to please, <sighs> otherwise known as Brandon. Brandon's pattern of throwing a joke instead of his name in the introduction continues, <laughs> I see. It's funny, and it's true. Well, and it's also setting the pattern for the rest of the episode because we're going to break from our usual sequence here. And it's all because of me. Tonight, you're going to be getting a bonus episode. We are still grantless. His health problems continue, and... Though we were able to pull it off last episode, we really didn't want to do the virtue part of a virtues and vices pair without him there. So you may be getting a few of these until he's fit to podcast once again. Or until I successfully make Robo Grant. I am trying now, so Grant's on the time clock. I will replace him with a robot. If you make Robo Grant, we're just going to upload real Grant into Robo Grant, <laughs> and then his health problems will be over. Ah. Uh... <laughs> That's right. And if you continue to laugh like a supervillain, I will get the poking stick and drive to Maryland. <laughs> oh, my head's not that big enough yet. And that's an inside joke from before we press the record <laughs> buttons. Uh, indeed. Enough jokes that the listeners won't get. One other quick piece of news before we continue. Save Against Fear 2014 is coming up September 12th through the 14th in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. For those of you who are unfamiliar... That is the Bodana Group's annual RPG charity fundraiser convention. Unfortunately, none of us have ever actually been able to make it. I'm hoping to possibly make it next year. You think you might make it this year? I am the closest. I might make it. I have some money that I can try to save, so I might be able to make it. So Brandon from Saving the Game might be at Save Against Fear. No promises. That would be pretty cool. I'm sure Jack would be ecstatic to see one of us. But it is run by the Bodana Group and our friend of the podcast and former guest host, Jack Birkenstock. If you haven't heard our interview episode with Jack Birkenstock, it is probably our most commonly referred to one. It's episode 25. Do it. Yeah. It was a very interesting conversation with a very interesting guy who's doing some really cool stuff. So do yourself a favor and go listen to that one if you haven't already. But tonight, since we are without our scholar, we are going to have a bonus episode about the games that the two GMs in the group that are currently doing stuff, me and Brandon, are either planning or are currently running. And we have one verse of scripture tonight. Our verse tonight is Ecclesiastes 1.9. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So yes, we are doing a bonus episode again. Indeed. All right. So as I mentioned at some point back in that huge, severely in need of edits morass of audio that I don't envy you on trying to untangle at some point, we're going to be talking about our current and or planned games here. Because Brandon and I are, well, actually all of us have GM'd now, but Grant isn't here to talk. So uh, it's just going to be me and Brandon this evening. And we're the only two currently running games because it's hard to run a game when you can't really speak. Yeah. Get well, Grant. When it's painful to speak, GMing is also a little painful. Shocking. Mm -hmm. So more anxious for Grant's recovery with every passing hour. Not to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> <laughs> the reasons of which are uh, many and varied, but not the least of which is that he is both of our friend. All right, so Brandon, do you want to lead this off? or? Well, sure. I mean, you're in what, like four games right now? I am in four games right now. Are you running all of those? I am now running all of them. Oof, duh. This is how it all started. 
a long time ago in this very galaxy, <laughs> probably about a year ago, I got together a Pathfinder group, the Y2112 game that you have heard me talk about on this podcast over and over and over again. That is the longest running game I'm doing because it's set to start up again this coming week. We had a sort of pseudo session where we had two people who were said they were going to be there but then got family things. Now, one quick question about that. Do you consider that to be the same game or do you consider that to be multiple games in the same setting? I consider it to be the exact same game because it's still in the three arc story that I sat down and wrote when I first envisioned this game. We just finished Act 1. Okay. There's Act 2 and there's Act 3. Do you have a solid core of players, or has that kind of churned over on you? There are two players that have been in it since the very beginning. Okay, because I was going to ask how you dealt with 100% turnover if that had happened and still continued the same story. Well, if we had lost those two players... I would have been able to deal with 100% turnover pretty easily because the one thing that we had tied with this game is I said, you must have ties with this town. So sort of by enforcement of a group template that has sometimes been fudged a little bit for certain player characters coming in, that is how we, we dealt with it. Okay. Because they still had a common goal. It's like, well, you're just, the other people went back to town. You were just the new people who came to the caravan. That's a lot of what happened when we were getting some news, when we were testing out new players. Just a new person would pop up. Currently, there's only actually one character who has been in every single game. Because one of the two people changed their character mid-game. Okay, so that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. The only one character we have is my friend David, who plays a dwarf named Lagren, and he doesn't say much. So the second longest running character would be the dark elf Selene, who was our healer. She's the person who I talked about back actually in the Envy, who was feeling underpowered, and so I gave her an evil sword. <laughs> okay. The sword actually used to belong to another party member who quit the game because it wasn't what he was enjoying, and he was playing a black blade magus. And so his blade was suddenly revealed to be evil, and he kind of threw it into the woods to get rid of it. And I was hoping, I'm like, okay, great. Like, he's gotten rid of this sword, which is totally tied in with the big bad that is going to be revealed this arc. I'm pretty okay with putting that spoiler out there because it's not really a twist. Okay. Like, they know that it's tied in with something evil, They've heard whispers of a word that they have absolutely no idea about what it is because it's part of a secret order that would rather kill themselves than tell anyone else about the order for very good reasons. Which I'm sure you'd love to get into, but it's a game that's running and your players may listen to this. So Yeah, and, and I don't want that to happen. Peter, what questions do you have for me about this game? Because I can't just monologue. <laughs> the first question I have for you is kind of a meta one. How in the world do you keep four different games that you're GMing separate? <laughs> Not just like in your prep stuff. That's probably relatively easy if you just do separate folders on your desktop or something. How do you keep that all separate in your head? Are they all vastly different genres or something? Or Two of them are both Monster Hearts. Historically, two of them have always been Monster Hearts. But it was fairly easy considering the fact that 
me playing Monster Hearts has very little planning. I sort of look at a situation and go, what's the worst thing that I could do here? And then do it. Monster Hearts is essentially like Twilight Simulator RPG, right? I mean, or... I would not call it Twilight for the simple fact that there are a lot of negative connotations to comparing something to Twilight. Young adult fiction yeah. paranormal romance simulator RPG? I would tie it more to Buffy. I would tie it more to being human. Possibly Roswell. Definitely CW series, which I know is the worst thing that I will ever say about it. Because it's true. It's a CW series. And it can be played where everyone is at each other's throats and the game explodes in chunks of player characters, which is glorious and fun, and then the game is over. Or it can be played in a very teamwork game, and if you do that, you have a game that runs for three seasons with some of the best players you've ever had. So Monster Hearts is a little more player-driven, and it's mm-hmm. you don't have to do as much with it, I guess? Yeah. Okay. The other game that I have been running is The Monday Group, which has switched systems repeatedly. It started out as someone else's Dresden Files game. It was organized on the forums. I came in. I'm like, hey, I want to play a white court vampire based off of Bo from Lost Girl. We got one session in, and then the dude said, I can't. I don't have the time to run this. So I was like, well, heck. Give me your notes and I'll run it. (laughs) No, I didn't say give me your notes. I basically threw the notes out the window. We created a whole new world because none of us were that tied into the game i don't think if anyone was that tied into the game they think they didn't raise enough of a stink (laughs) at me saying okay we're doing something totally new at which point i started running and i had another three arc planned for that series and i got to the end of the first arc around christmas of last year and so about a year ago and i found i was happy with the point that it ended okay I dropped hints about where it could go. I wasn't feeling running Dresden anymore. I was having too hard of a time because I never played in Dresden, which is one of my main rules is before I run something, I have to play because then I'll be able to understand intuitively how it goes, even if it's done in a way I don't like it or in a way that's done wrong. I can see the problem and I can fix it. And with Dresden, I've I've always been the GM. I've always felt like I don't have a grasp on Okay. I didn't think that the game would reach pinnacle point that it was going to be at. And so I just said, I'm okay with letting it just end here. And I basically told the players, I'm not continuing. A couple of them then joined me in a Monster Hearts game that sprung up sometime later after that. And that was my second Monster Hearts game because I was absolutely loving running Monster Hearts on Thursdays, which is every other week because we record every other week right so it's basically that i'm not recording the podcast i'm running monster hearts and it was a good way because i knew i had that time blocked out anyway so it would be no skin off my nose to keep doing it okay and then finally the fourth game came up just recently because of peter (laughs) literally because of peter okay it's not because of peter it's because i am able to talk myself into running monster hearts because he said, hey, Brandon, there is someone on the forums that said that they wanted to play in a Monster Hearts game. And I pointed them to you. So I was like, oh, well. And so then I talked to this person and I convinced myself to run 
another Monster Hearts. Yes, Fear the Con was so good for networking that I got somebody into a game that I had no interest in participating <laughs> in myself. Yes. And then we got another person, and one, one person I was trying to get in the Tuesday game, uh, Thursdays wasn't working out for them, so I moved them to Tuesdays. Because the Monster Hearts game on Monday always ended in bloody explosions. One of the players wasn't having that good of a time, so we called the game. That player volunteered to run Dresden Files. That other GM has since basically said, I don't know if I have the time to run this game, let alone play in this game. And I am so in love with my Dresden Files character that I created. I'm like, fine, I will run it again. (laughs) So if I have to make a prediction, I will probably be running three games soon. I don't want to jinx it, but I think if any game is going to crash and burn, it's going to be the Dresden Files game. However, it's possible that new Monster Hearts will also crash and burn because we ended last session on a down note because we're all trying to get together and feel out what's happening. But I'm fairly certain I can fix the issues that have been going on in that game. Besides the meta question that I've just kind of tried to answer in a very rambling fashion... Are there any other questions you have to me about the first game, uh, Y2112? Not really. Is there anything you want to specifically volunteer or discuss about that? To make this more, like, actual advice, uh, I don't know if I've ever discussed exactly how I came up with Y2112. Okay, well, let's let's start with that, then. The impetus from Y2112 came from a game that I played in a couple sessions and then was not able to continue on to going because the GM kind of lost interest and there was a whole bunch of problems, but it was a game that was set in the real world. Magic had returned and society had collapsed. I was playing probably the one character I regret most never being able to explore. One of the main reasons that I wanted to make the world of Y2112 was to create a world where this character could exist and could be explored at a possible future game that I can con someone else into running for me. <laughs> because I <laughs> I need someone to run this game so that I can play Tin Man. Bro, I'm pretty sure you're an actual supervillain. You do an awful lot of plotting and scheming. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you found me out, Peter. I, I think you made like legit be a supervillain. In truth, I wanted to create a world where I could explore this character that I couldn't be able to go into. And I'm fairly certain I've talked about Tin Man before on the podcast. So Tin Man is really the father of the Y2112 world. And of course I've made some more changes and now I love a whole lot more things than just Tin Man and I honestly would be happy even if I never get a chance to play Tin Man again because like I know where his story was going to end and it it just didn't get there and he was like this one-shot character for this just this perfect game and I don't think Lightning will ever strike twice with him. Yeah. Like I am the king of pulling stories off the shelf and running them again. My Kark RP, I have run it a billion times with different people and, like, developed the story more, and I'm continuing to run it. Yeah, now I know you're a supervillain, because to have done that, you have to be really old. <laughs> I think we've All actually right. narrowed down that Brandon is not only a supervillain, he is actually Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> Which really, when you think about it, explains a lot of things. <laughs> like what? Actually, no, it doesn't explain anything. But 
<laughs> I was like, please do tell. <laughs> tell me about my villain. Alright, so we've talked about one of my games. Peter, let's talk about one of yours. Okay, well, I really only have one. Starting, hopefully, this Friday, if all goes well, I am going to be running for my usual Friday gaming group, a setting that you were kind of dubious about, actually. <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah. Yes. All right, so to return some of Brandon's picking on to him, Brandon doesn't like genre-mashing settings unless he's the one who's running them or creating them. <laughs> <laughs> It's possibly true, all right? <laughs> to be fair, I think it could be more summed up as I don't like genre mash settings unless I feel the genres deserve to be together. Well, in like, my particular case, I am kind of shamelessly taking several published settings, yanking out the parts that I like and MacGyvering them together into something that I want to actually run. Uh, the list is pretty long. I don't know. I mean, is this part even going to be interesting, Brandon, or... Possibly. If not, I can always cut it out and say, and Peter was really boring here. Yes, I suppose you could do that, couldn't you? Heck, you could do that anyways. <laughs> uh. Uh, okay, so this originally started out with me playing one of the many XCOM or XCOM-inspired games that I have on my computer. It's tactical, turn-based, um, squads fighting off, an alien invasion thing is kind of a niche subgenre video game that I just really enjoy. I've played the new XCOM, I've tried the old one, but I just can't get past the dated graphics. Got one called Xenonauts, I've played the UFO series. I like that genre. I like that genre too, which is why I was first interested in this world setting until the second two dropped. The second two touchstones that I have are GURPS Black Ops, which is a late 90s kind of benevolent super agent conspiracy setting. You're playing a bunch of like hyper competent action hero characters that go out and deal with paranormal threats. Up until this point, we were still good because that oh, yeah. doesn't have any actual magic or supernatural stuff in it. It's all explained with aliens and psionics. So it's a very science fiction-y kind of thing. Yeah, well, the only problem we would have had would be GURPS. And, like, I mean, I understand that you just have the blind spot about how... Uh, yes, me and a whole bunch of other happy GURPS players. <laughs> You're all deluded. Including some on other podcasts that I can mention, like, oh, I don't know, Happy Jacks. It's a nice system. It does not deserve the reputation that it has. I, again, I, I haven't actually never played it, but it's always fun to poke Peter. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> I really can't argue with that. I've got too much evidence to the contrary. So... The other setting that I really wanted to throw in there, and there are a couple more that are kind of a second tier level, but I'll get to those in a minute, was GURPS Cabal, which was written by Ken Height, which is a very crunchy, secret magic, dimension traveling, multiple inner worlds, very arcane magic kind of setting. And... I wanted to add that one in because I liked the idea of this ancient conspiracy of mages and monsters and stuff that stretched all the way back to the Egyptian Empire as kind of a progenitor organization for the organization that the player characters worked for. And I, I also wanted to do some things that if I got into it too much, it would spoil the game that Grant is going to be playing in, and I know he's going to be listening to the episode. <laughs> Other stuff that I kind of used for inspiration, I pulled from the Conspiracy X setting by Eden Studios. 
I have been looking at Unknown Armies and Delta Green. So I brought this idea up and I got some favorable response from several people and Brandon expressed some interest if I would take all the magic out of the campaign, which basically caused me to head desk. <laughs> I really don't fully understand all of the nuances, but it seemed like the argument that I was getting from him is you're just not allowed to do that. You cannot take fantasy and science fiction and jam them into the same setting that is blasphemy. No, full stop. This is just something that I've sort of come to expect and learn from sort of storytelling is you want to halt the things that you want to you want to have people wrap their mind around. Because it's easy for people to conceptualize one idea, but having to hold two separate ideas of aliens and psionics and supernatural magic. This is also the reason why I dislike psionics in Pathfinder, because they already have a magic system in there. And to add this other secondary, well, it's not quite magic, but it's magic and it's mind powers, like just doesn't feel like it fits in. I want to throw one quick counterpoint, though. Okay. A series that you and I both really like has three magic systems in it. Has three magic systems, but they're all internally consistent and they're all related to each other. Yes, they are. Uh, I would not say that hemallergy, ferrochemy, and allomancy are any different. If you want to go farther than that, you can say there are a ton of other magic systems on the other worlds that do various different things that are way different from metallurgy. However, they all come from the same shards. They all have the same source. They are all related. In a sense, they are all different aspects of the same magic system that have been unified by one concept. And you specifically said in your story, there is not unified. There is this, there is this, they have existed separately, and they don't really go with each other, and I've created magic and psionics, and never the twain shall meet, but the twain are meeting here. <laughs> when we were having this initial conversation, really pressuring you for, okay, so, like, they both come from a common thread, right? Like, where's the common thread? Where's the one concept I have to wrap my brain around that has branched out into these two forms instead of having to wrap my brain around two things? Yeah, and... Honestly, all joking and pot shots at each other aside, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. But first of all, you're smart enough to wrap your brain around it. And the players that I have in the group that I ultimately wound up with are smart enough to wrap their brain around it. So mm -hmm. I think it's going to work. We are smart <laughs> enough to wrap our brain around it. However, it is something that BA being forced to wrap our brain around it, in my opinion and in my experience, will pull people more out of the story. Unless there is just a huge suspension of disbelief, which is possible and which is probably some of the buy-in that you have to take for this world. Because I know science fantasy exists. Yeah, I think maybe if the story that I was planning was, let's dig really deep and explore like the origins and interactions of these multiple sources of weird powers in my setting, that might get a little bit brain-spinny. But... The way that I've got it set up, that's not what it's going to be about at all. It's, you have the following toolkit, you have hostile forces, go neutralize them. I can understand that, and I am not going to say that this game is going to fail and die, because I don't think it will. I think it's going to be successful because you can't get away from things. I just, the sitting was calling out for something that I didn't get back. Yeah. It, it seemed needlessly complex. Like, you added something in there that you didn't need to add it. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, if I hadn't added it, it wouldn't be the same setting, and it wouldn't be what I wanted to run. <laughs> exactly. Like, I completely understand that. I guess the one thing that I could bring up is the concept of 
Have you seen the movie Devil? No. All right. The the M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movie. Yeah. About the yeah. people stuck in the elevator. I've yeah, seen trailers, yes. but I haven't actually seen the movie. I saw the movie Devil. I called who it was just out of just random guessing, going, "It's going to be that one," and I was right. But the one thing that I also want to point to is, are you familiar with that guy with the glasses or Channel Awesome or the Nostalgia Critic? Nope. All right. He somewhat recently did a review on Devil, at which point they went through and sort of covered the story. And they started off the review by having one of his recurring characters make a joke about how he wrote a screenplay of there's people who are trapped in an elevator and one of them's a killer. And the power is faulty, so every time the, the lights are going out, the killer strikes and kills one of them. And it was like, oh, this is a great tension. And then in the end, it's revealed, it's Cthulhu. And then everyone goes, you know, you, you, you had a great concept, but you just ruined it by throwing in something there completely unnecessary. Which is kind of what happened with Devil. The other main thing that I wanted to talk about is the double Mumbo Jumbo is brought up in reference to another M. Night Shyamalan movie, Signs. At which point you have to wrestle with the concept of loss of faith in God and aliens. And the two don't really mesh. They never really come together to unify or be together. They're just two separate tracks that your mind has to follow along and it just distracts from the story. Okay. Of course, this is your world. This is something you want to explore and things like that. And you are perfectly right to do anything you want to in your world. Well, and one of the things that I did want to play around with a little bit was what if there was a hostile society out there that didn't really consider magic and technology to be two separate things? Okay, so the big gib is that there might be a unifying force out there, but that unifying force is a possible spoiler plot reveal. Okay, take back a whole lot of the stuff I've said. You're doing it good. <laughs> well, no, because because we're talking about magic and technology, and your complaint was about magic and psionics being in the same setting. Oh. Which I can kind of see that. I wanted to keep some of those in for another wrinkle for certain spoilery well, things. But. Psionics is still already technology, but it's a very different flavor of technology. And if you tie magic into technology, then all we're dealing with is technology, literally. You don't have, you know, double mumbo-jumbo. You have technology <laughs> and this is what i spent several hours unsuccessfully trying to persuade you of when we had the argument okay all right <laughs> i mean the mages on the player character side actually call their magical effects scripts they refer to them as a programming language i remember that vaguely <laughs> it made for an interesting discussion okay folks since you weren't there the, the back and forth that Brandon and I had wasn't really quite so much an argument for most of it as a, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? <laughs> like walls of text flying back and th forth through a chat feed for, what, about three hours? Yes. Uh, I think I came up with at least two ideas for bad guys while we were doing that, so it was definitely not wasted time. I'm glad I helped. At least I think I helped. It's not just like, oh, I'm brainstorming random ideas while Brandon talks. <laughs> there was some of that. <laughs> All right. Uh, but okay, so if ever that happens again, you just have to pull me aside and go, hey, Brandon. I'm going to unify them as part of a plot reveal. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
It doesn't even have to be true. That's the just just the magical <laughs> yeah. Brandon be quiet formula. <laughs> Yeah. Brandon plot reveal. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Brandon Brandon's going off talking about the the dinner that he had the night before. Brandon plot reveal. And the steak is no longer important. <laughs> plot reveal. I'm paying attention. <laughs> uh, Let me give you kind of a, a generic idea of actually probably something that I'm going to use for the first session, which will happen before this episode airs, so I can I can be a little bit detailed about this. Uh, so the first mission that I'm sending these folks on is they're going to be investigating this alien signal that came out of a remote farm out in the middle of Nebraska. Because they're on a very tight timetable and because their organization has magic, higher technology than the rest of the world, and a real need to keep a low profile, so the team's got to be inserted into this thing in a way that doesn't really draw a lot of attention. So they're going up in this supersonic transport that they have flying over the area and instead of parachuting in because they've got to do this in broad daylight or landing this bizarre looking aircraft in an area where somebody might see it they are getting teleported to the ground magically they can each pack x number of pounds of gear and they're gonna just be ported to the ground from the sky and then this thing will fly off and they'll get picked up by an actual larger vehicle later because they're expected to recover a certain amount of things from the uh, site so it's just another tool in the toolbox of both the players and their opposition to start with then some of the real opposition is going to come in and you'll start seeing some other stuff okay but, i can kind of understand that I can, I can kind of see that and this could all have been solved by a quote which i don't know if you actually gave me if you did i i ignored it because i was just too focused in on but he's not saying it in the proper way that makes me understand it was it's the quote from superman movie with kevin spacey which i still haven't seen yet any technology sufficiently advanced would be indistinguishable from magic yeah that's the famous arthur c clark quote that gets bandied around a lot that quote is basically what monty cook's numenera setting is based on which is another well that i'm planning to draw in a little bit it wasn't quite applicable, so I don't think I thought of it at the time when we were discussing this originally. I kind of wish I had in some ways. I think perhaps the problem that you were having originally was that I had three wells instead of just two as well. So eh, I'll let you know how it goes. And Grant will also let you know how it goes because he's part of the group. It's um, him, his wife, and a couple of other friends of ours. So, so you're getting Grant the speaking spell. Yeah, actually, that that's something that I wouldn't mind discussing a little bit, because that's kind of an interesting topic of conversation. So for the same reason that Grant isn't podcasting with us, he's a player in this game, instead of continuing to GM his very successful Shadowrun campaign with our group. Grant is playing an artificial intelligence this time out. Really? The whole idea was that he was thinking that if he was really having trouble talking, he could just type in what he wanted to say through a text-to-speech synthesizer, and it would... It would sound like an artificial intelligence talking. Totally do that anyway. Yeah, I know. I kind of want to hear that, especially since his artificial intelligence has got like dreams of being a psychotherapist. <laughs> Instead of the stereotypical cold, impersonal AI, this is going to be a very intensely personal one that knows all about psychology and is fascinated by the human condition. So Edie. Got Not it. even Edie, probably closer to like data, actually. With physical setup closer to Edie, I mean, he's going to be actually a female, is going to be running on a server farm in the bottom of this ship that they're based out of. So 
That should be an interesting dynamic. We built him a bunch of semi-autonomous drones that he can kind of occupy and interact with the group through, but it's going to be an interesting dynamic having three player characters that are human operatives in the physical world and uh, an artificial intelligence that lives at least mostly in cyberspace. I don't know, is there anything else about that one that you want to know or that you want to poke me over? Or Not really, but like... I, I did want to sort of redeem or crucify myself about genre mashups because I actually have another idea for a game or game world that I would love to one day explore. Oh, what's that? It's the intersection of a couple different worlds and fandoms and stories. It's actually based on an anime I've never seen. book I've never read and a movie I've never watched. An anime I've never seen, <laughs> a role-playing game I've never played, and a card game which I've only just recently bought. Okay. The anime I've never seen, which is going to be the one that is the most hardest to understand, is a thing called Tiger and Bunny. We played a one-shot of it on the Monday game when we were waiting to see if the GM who was supposed to run Dresden was going to be able to run Dresden. And Tiger and Bunny is about superheroes. But superheroes in this world are all corporate-sponsored. So your costume looks like a NASCAR vehicle? Basically. I was very much thinking the Captain Amazing guy from uh, Mystery Men, who has all these ads on him. And they all compete in, like, reality TV show sort of fashion. And, of course, they are run by giant corporations who are advertising their products with the heroes and signing contracts for them. And I can only assume making the heroes in their off time when they're not out fighting crime, helping and enforcing their sociopolitical policies, which gets me on to Shadowrun, okay. which is the role-playing game I've never played. Which is, I'm like, I would love to play a Shadowrun in the world of Tiger Bunny, where... You're not going up against eldritch dragons and things like that. You're going up against superheroes. You are guys who have to figure out how you take out Superman, the Flash, and Wonder Woman. See, that's interesting because in Grand Shadowrun game, we've mostly been going up against places where documents that need to be surreptitiously replaced are hidden. True, and I'm assuming that that would probably be what would happen there also, but there's a possibility that when you get into the place, Batman is waiting for you. Yeah, and actually that's not entirely true. That was just one adventure. There was trying to contain the woolly rhinoceros rampaging through the shipping yard. That actually went surprisingly well, considering the circumstances. There was the soda taste test sabotage, which might not have actually (laughs) even needed to be done. That was a lot of fun, though. That was like the cleanest shadow run ever. We were in and out, and those people barely had any idea that anybody was there. (laughs) There were a couple that it actually would take way more explanation than it would be entertaining to listen to to explain but they've been very interesting grant's got some talent for constructing Shadowrun missions yeah. on the cups of Shadowrun is there's the card game which is actually android netrunner i've heard of it it's non-collectible magic in a cyberpunk setting basically right it's a living card game so there is a sort of collectible aspect but it's not like ccg where you buy packs and randomly get cards you buy sets and get a specific set of cards in that set so it is easy for you to build the decks and know what's going to go on and the whole concept of the game is one person plays the corporation that is trying to do evil terrible horrible things and someone is playing the hacker or in this game the runner who's trying to steal them and bring down the corporation or just 
get money or information. Okay. There's a couple different branches of runners. There's a criminal, there's the anarch, and then there's the shaper. And the shaper is like the one that's like, I'm doing it for fun. Hacking is an art form sort of thing. Right. Sort of also kind of goes in with Shadowrun with the whole hacking into the Matrix. And it's a concept that I would have loved to have put into the game of the sort of ways that the hackers get around programs and the ice that is used to disrupt them as another part of this dystopian tiger bunny world where corporations are sponsoring superheroes and pumping out bad television that everyone's eating up while in the streets people are doing jobs and running in groups of hackers are trying to bring down the corporations just sort of this like many tiered things going on war but they're all centered around the whole concept of this futuristic corporate megalith thing that just so happens to have superheroes in it interesting yeah i could definitely see some potential in that setting like you could play superheroes who are out there doing things and maybe think about do we really want to work for these corporations or yeah of course we want to work for these corporations we'll be totally shills or do you want to be like the people who are sort of stuck in the middle shadow runners who do what they need to get by or the hackers that go oh no we're gonna take them down and just i kind of really want to run a game in there but i think it would have to be a shadow run game well i just find the idea of like superheroes punk for lack of a better term to be kind of an interesting one so oh yeah yeah, that would be an interesting kind of combo setting maybe i'll start running five games on wednesday and then really have no time (laughs) and then and then i'll die yeah (laughs) we'll see this obituary in other news a local man named brandon levins exploded today (laughs) sources confirm that brandon was attempting to run five rpgs at once (laughs) far above the safe limit of two (laughs) uh Part of the reason why I'm only comfortable doing four is because one of them is every other week and two of them are monster hearts and one of them hasn't started yet. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there, folks. Thanks for being patient with us while we broke from our regular schedule. Like we said at the beginning, we've got a topic that we'd like to cover with our full staff here, and we're hoping that Grant will be back to full podcasting strength in relatively short order. So hopefully by 50. Definitely, hopefully by 50. At any rate, we're going to leave this one here, folks. Have a good night, and thanks for listening. See ya.